Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. We love our community and want to show the love of Christ tangibly in our neighborhoods, workplaces, and homes. This summer, we will discover how serving can make a difference in our community, how serving makes an impact for God and grows our faith in a series called Why I Serve. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. Paul had planted a church in the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth had a lot of characteristics that we have in America today. Uh, Three specifically. Uh, For one, uh, they were very well educated. They were a very smart uh, group of people. Uh, They were very prosperous. They were wealthy, uh, like America. They were affluent. And they had a lot of immorality, like America. And uh, so Paul established this church in Corinth, and and then the church uh, started to do some crazy things. Uh, They started to get a little goofy. So Paul had to write uh, this letter to the Corinthian church as a corrective to get the church back on track. So in 1 Corinthians 4.14, Paul says this. He says, I am not writing this to shame you. And Paul wants them to know, I'm not giving you this correction because I'm trying to heap guilt and shame on you. Not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. And I love that phrase because, because of Paul's love for these churches that he planted, he seriously considered these people in these churches to be his children. And a father is supposed to admonish and discipline and correct his children. So notice the, the next phrase. He says, even though you have 10,000 guardians, and some versions translate that uh, 10,000 teachers. You know, you have 10,000 people telling you what to do. You have 10,000 people giving information and instruction. But he says, you do not have many fathers. Paul says, you got lots of people giving you instruction and information but you are missing the relationship piece. For in Christ Jesus, I, Paul, became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. You know, Paul says, I'm gonna do more than just teach you. I'm gonna do more than just preach at you. He says, I'm gonna model for you how you to live a godly life. And he says, so, so watch me, do what I do. Hey guys, watch this. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my spiritual son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. And notice, this message is not just for the Corinthian church. This message is for every church. This for every church everywhere. This message is for us, okay? Paul says, you got plenty of teachers telling you what to do. But you don't have many spiritual fathers modeling what to do. I, I want to pray as we, as we begin this message. Let's pray together. Father, in in the mighty name of Jesus, we just thank you for for the Bible. What an honor it is to open it up, to read it, to be able to learn from it. And Lord, I pray that that the miracle of revelation will happen in this service tonight, that this will not just be information from my mouth 
to their ears, but a spiritual transformation deep down inside. God, I pray that people will never be the same because of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most painful parts in a person's life is when you start talking about a father uh, that is horrible or bad. Uh, you know, no, because not only for the bad things that happened, but for all the good things that didn't happen. And I really believe that the devil wants to destroy your relationship with your father. You know, God intended for there to be a relationship with your fathers, with your natural father, with your spiritual fathers, with your heavenly father. And God hoped that there would be a spiritual transference to you from your fathers. Now your relationship with your mother is precious and important, but it cannot replace your relationship with your father. And I think that's why the devil attacks this relationship so much. If you're going through relationship nightmares, if you're having trouble, you need to understand that it's not about that fight. It's not about that issue. It's not about that person. It's about the devil trying to destroy your relationships. The world, the flesh, and the devil are working overtime to destroy your relationships and especially the relationship with your father. Now, let me present my case. Okay. The last verse of the Old Testament, it's Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 6. This is the verse that sets up the coming of Jesus in Matthew 1.1. And it's the verse that summarizes why Jesus even needs to come uh, in the first place. Uh, it says that in the last days, something has to change. So God is going to send someone who has the spirit of Elijah on him, someone who would do miracles in people's lives, and he's talking specifically about Jesus Christ. And look what it says about him. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. God says, if we don't get this father-child thing figured out, then, then we're gonna be cursed. That's why uh, all of hell is committed to messing up your relationship, specifically the relationship that you have with your father. That's why we have story after story of, oh, you, you, you ought to hear what my father did to me. Because we're cursed. Now, I'm going to very quickly give you some really bad news. And then I'm going to give you a ton of hope. Okay? So stick with me. Bad news, ton of hope. Okay? So here's the bad news. Uh, researchers tell us that fatherless homes, fatherless children, are five times more likely to commit suicide, eight times more likely to go to prison, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, 20 times more likely to have behavioral problems, 32 times more likely to run away, 33 times more likely to be seriously abused, 73 times more likely to be fatally abused. Studies tell us that fatherless homes produce 90% of all homeless and runaway children. 85% of all children with behavioral disorders, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 71% of high school dropouts, 70% of juveniles in state-operated facilities, 63% of youth suicides. Daughters 
in fatherless homes are 53% more likely to marry as a teen, 92% more likely to divorce if they marry, and 164% more likely to be a single parent. And I just got to tell you, those statistics break my heart. And those statistics break the heart of God. This is not the life that God intended for us to live. God wants the heart of the father to be turned to his children and the heart of the children to be turned toward the father. But if that doesn't happen, we're cursed. A church in Colorado went to to all the card shops in their city and they asked them uh, if they could have all their leftover Mother's Day cards. And so they gathered up thousands of Mother's Day cards and then they took them out to the prison and they offered them to any prisoner who wanted a card to send it to his mother. And bang, they immediately ran out of cards. Gave away thousands of cards. They decided to do the same thing for Father's Day. So they gathered up all the Father's Day cards, took them out to the prison and said, hey, we got cards if anybody wants to send a Father's Day card to their father. Not one prisoner took a card to send to their father. Not one. The pain in this issue, the evidence that our relationships in this area are broken is real. So what do we do about this? Fortunately, for every problem, God has a solution. For every problem in your life, God has a solution. And so I want to give you three principles tonight that will help us fight this epidemic of fatherlessness. Now I'll tell you, none of these, none of these things are gonna happen in the 30 minutes of this message. But I can get you started on these processes and then they can work over time. It's a spiritual journey over time uh, that most of us will work on our whole life. I'm 62 years old, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still working on this. But I have made tremendous progress applying these principles to my life. But it takes time. Now, what are the steps? Well, here's the first one on your notes, on the screen. Number one, allow God to heal the father wound. Now, your father wound, honestly, it may not even be from your biological father. It may be from uh, a, a stepfather, may it be from a spiritual father. It may be from a teacher or a coach or even a pastor or some other authority figure who disappointed you. But most people carry around a father wound of some type. And that wound is always greater than wounds inflicted by somebody else because of the spiritual work that God is doing in your life. John Eldridge, in his book, Wild at Heart, he he describes why guys struggle so much with shame and brokenness and, and, and addictions. It's because we have a father wound. And Eldridge says that when you have a father wound, it usually comes out in one of two ways. You, you either become overly passive or overly aggressive. And that's why today you have so many men who have become overly passive. You know, the wife is the one who has to run the home. She has to raise the kids, she pays the bills, she gets the family to church. The guy is basically in charge of the remote. But the wife, the the guy's woundedness has just caused him to withdraw and give up. He doesn't step up, he doesn't lead, he's just passive. 
And then on the other hand, you have men who are bullying everybody. Out of their insecurity, out of their woundedness, they, they pose as tough guys. They, they assert themselves in an overly aggressive manner. Not because they're tough, but because they're broken. And both of these overreactions are reactions to the father wound in the life of a man. What do we do about it? Look at James 5.16. And I want you to notice the last two words. You need to be healed. You need to be healed. Every one of us needs an inner healing. You know, an inner, God didn't write this verse for some of us. God wrote this verse for all of us. And the question is, how do we get this inner healing from the father wound? Well, let's back up to the first part of the verse. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now notice, who do you confess your sins to? It's each other. Doesn't say confess them to God. God's formula for healing is confessing your sins to each other and you pray for each other. There is a miracle that occurs when you get close enough to another person where you can confess your sins to them and be prayed for. Now women, just by nature, are more likely uh, to do this than men are. But men, you are only as sick as your secrets. And as soon as you allow the truth of your hurt to come out, as soon as you confess it to someone that you trust and you pray together, that's when your healing begins. And that's why I say over and over again to get into a small group. Or better yet, get into a Celebrate Recovery step study. Because we need to get connected into relationships with one another where we can share our hurts with one another and pray for one another so that we can be healed. Most of my healing in this area came when I went through my Celebrate Recovery step study. Most of it happened in that context, in that relationship with those guys in the step study with me. And some of you, you have confessed your hurts to God over and over and over, but you have never found healing because you have not followed God's process for healing, which is confessing not to God, but confessing to another person and being prayed for by them. You and I need to know someone who knows us well enough that I can just comfortably say, you know, can I tell you something? Will you pray for me? And then I share my hurts and my wounds. And once you've shared it, and as soon as you've prayed for it, you begin the process of great healing in your life. But for most of us, it's a matter of getting to the point where you open up and you allow God's process of healing your father wound to begin. How do we deal with this massive issue of fatherlessness, with the problem of, their, of, of not many fathers? Step one is you've got to allow God to heal your father wound. And you've got to allow him to heal it in the way that he does that. Number two, you need to find a father and be a father. Find a father and be a father. And you've got to do both of these. Find one, be one. Well, I didn't have a good dad. Well, okay, we get it. Most of us didn't. We understand that. In fact, none of us, none of our dads were perfect. And, and we all, uh, all have a father wound. And our fathers had father wounds. And our grandfathers had father wounds. And this stuff goes back for generations. I can see it in my own family. 
And the question is, do you want to break the cycle? And if so, then you need to look around and you need to find someone to be a spiritual father, a father figure, a mentor, an encourager in your life. Someone who can be a positive role model for you. Don't stay fixated on the broken relationship you had with your father. Instead, find good, positive men that can speak into your life. You know, as a kid, my my dad let his father wounds rob him of his effectiveness of being a father. And so I had to look past my dad and I had to look to to my mother's father, to my grandfather who was a very godly man, and he became uh, that crucial role model for me. You know, my dad was a bad role model, my grandfather was a good role model, and so I focused on the good role model. And I have made it a practice to look for other men in various stages of life, men who are living godly, holy, healthy, productive lives, and I've looked to them to be my models and my mentors. Now, I didn't expect to move in with them. I didn't expect for them to pay for my college. I didn't expect them to become my deepest friends. I I just simply looked to them as models. And I looked for opportunities to engage them in conversation. I watched how they treated their wives, treated their kids, treated their friends. I I watched their work ethic. How do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? Uh, How do they make their decisions? What, What are their priorities? And most of these guys I encountered in church. I met them in my small groups and Bible studies. I sang with them in choir. I worked with them on ministry teams. Uh, You know, I went out for ice cream with them after church. I looked at the Christian community at large and and I looked for men who could be my spiritual fathers, guys that I, I never had a hope of ever meeting. Dr. James Dobson helped me father my kids. I read every book the guy ever wrote. Bruce Ammons, Dave Ramsey became my financial fathers, and and J. Vernon McGee and Rick Warren became my pastor fathers. And instead of focusing on the disappointments and wounds from my biological father, I shifted my focus to positive role models and tried to become like them. One of the mysterious principles of life is, is that you become what you hate. Because whatever you focus on, that's what you become. And I recognized early on that the more I focused on the negatives in my own father, the more I resented and rehearsed his shortcomings, the more I became just like him. And maybe that same thing is happening to you. Because the more you focus on the wounds you've received from your father, the more likely you are to repeat those same wounds with your kids. And I did not want to do that. And so I shifted my focus to other models, other mentors. I sought to pattern my life after them. And the more I did that, the more I found God healing my father wound and the more sympathy, the more forgiveness, the more understanding, even the more love I found myself having for my biological father. Now there's more to this second step than just finding a father. If you're truly going to be healed, you've got to be a father. 
You gotta get involved in someone else's life. You gotta be a small group leader. You get involved in Rock Brook for Kids or a student ministry. You sit around a group of eight-year-old boys and let them share what's on their heart and pray for them. Be the guy that they talk about 20 years later and say, you know, that guy was there. He was there every Saturday night. He was there every Sunday. Man, this guy listened to me. He was there. And it will minister to you even more than it does to them. That's why Growth Track is there to help you move through that process. You can get started tomorrow afternoon, 1.30, step three, discovery. And you can discover your spiritual gifts and your personalities and you can take the rest of the steps in Growth Track and get plugged into a dream team and start serving with other people. Serving together is a great way to find a father and be a father. You know, on our dream teams, more happens than just the tasks that get done. More happens than just the work that they do. People talk, they share, they laugh together when they serve together. I mean, you watch our dream teams and more is happening than just work. People are are opening up, they are interacting with one another, they are praying for one another, sometimes they're crying for one another. Because our small groups, our growth track, and our dream teams, these are not just organizational hoops that we want you to jump through. I mean, as a church, we don't do these things for our benefit. We really don't. I mean, listen, it's a lot of hard work to do this. It's a lot of hard work to do growth track and and dream team and small groups. And that's why most churches don't do it, because it's hard. Serve Day is coming up, July 14th. You know, Serve Day, it's not about the projects that we're going to do. Serve Day is not about picking up litter and painting. Serve Day is about getting you connected with one another and getting you out and connected with the community so that relationships can happen. We don't do this stuff as pastors and leaders and staff because it benefits us. We do it because it is a process that will benefit you. It will free you. It will heal you. If you'll find your spiritual father. If you'll become a spiritual father. Psalm 68, 5 through 6. says, God is a father to the, say it out loud with me, fatherless. Say that word again fatherless. We are fatherless. There are not many fathers. What are you going to do about that, God? God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in relationships. He sets them into churches, into small groups, into dream teams. I don't have a good father. My father's deceased. My father and I are estranged. I can't even see him. Then get connected with a spiritual family. God wants to set you in a new family, in some new relationships that will provide you with what you've been missing. You know, oftentimes when we're wounded, we think that the solution is isolation. We we withdraw from other people and we nurse our wounds. But God says the solution is not isolation. The solution is relationships. The solution is to get into a spiritual family. Look what happens when you do that. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. They're not prisoners anymore. They have found freedom. It's one of our core purposes here at Rockbrook is that you would find freedom. How? By getting connected in relationships with other believers. God wants to set you in a spiritual family that can move you from being a prisoner to singing. 
And some of us are walking around in, in a prison of pain that is more binding than a prison of bars. And God wants to set you free. How? By setting you in a family. By allowing God to heal your father wound. Today at the end of the sermon, I'm just going to pray a prayer for you that I hope will begin the process of healing. And I tell you what, some of you, some of you are going to be healed immediately. If you respond, you're going to be healed as soon as we pray in this service. And it's a miracle. I don't understand how that happens. Some of you, like me, will begin a process with that prayer and you will find healing over time. But you can start that process right now in this service. And you can continue that process by going to step three, discovery, tomorrow afternoon, take the other growth track steps and getting plugged into a dream team where you can serve, where you will be in a position to find a father and be a father. I mean, I, I thank God for the spiritual fathers in my life, but none of them came to me. None of them came to me. I had to take the initiative to find them. And I had to pursue them on my own, and you do too. You've got to find a father, and you've got to be a father. I'm trying to help you with this issue of not many fathers. Number three, I need to relate to God as father. Relate to God as Father. Now, God, in the Bible, God has many, many names and a lot of titles. But Jesus' favorite way to refer to God was his Father. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus says the key to a powerful prayer life is to address God relationally, not religiously. God loves it when you get up close with him in conversational prayer. God, God's not looking for great eloquent prayers full of these and thous. God, God wants you to connect with him relationally. And I'd encourage you tomorrow, uh, uh, just at some point, to just simply turn your heart to God and say, Happy Father's Day. Connect with him relationally as Father. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our, say it with me, Father. Father, who created all the lights in heaven. And notice this last phrase. Just consider the last phrase in that sentence for a moment. It says, he never changes or casts a shadow. And some of you need to grasp that, the truth of that, that phrase, that God never changes. Because you change I change. I mean, I'm a good guy one week and I'm an idiot the next. I mean, it's just what happens. You know, some of you came here tonight and you're thinking, God may not be happy to see me tonight. Maybe if I sit in the back and hunker down, because you messed up. But God never changes. Even if you spill the milk, God still likes you. He still loves you. He never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow. That phrase means he never turns his back on you. Never. In fact, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, out of all creation, every galaxy, every planet, every animal, out of all the majestic things on earth, out of all creation, we became his prized possession. God does not want you fatherless. Allow God to heal your father wound. Make the decision 
to change from fatherlessness to finding a father and be a father. And then seek to relate to God as father. Let's pray together. As we pray, I just, I just want you to make a decision tonight in all three of these areas. In the quietness of your own heart, I just want you to, want you to pray and say, Father, I want you as my heavenly father to heal my father wound. I don't want to carry this hurt and pain anymore. I want to find the healing that you desire for me. And God, I want to find a father, someone who can step into my life and give me the advice, the admonition, the encouragement, the correction, somebody who can be the model that I need. God, help me to find men in this church, in my small group, on my dream team, men that I can do life with. And I want to step up and and as broken as I am, I want to be a father. I want to be a father to the young men in this church, to the teens, to the boys in my life. Open my heart and life to those around me. And Lord, I want to tell you, happy Father's Day. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the Bible says that I can become a child of God. Help me to understand the power of that truth and to live it out in my relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.